Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for coming down from heaven above and dying on that cross, bleeding, tortured with a crown of thorns, dying to pay the price so that we could live. Lord, today as we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, we just thank you for the gift of our lives. And Lord, we dedicate them and focus them on you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. And you may be seated. You, you may be seated. And you know, there's a movie out right now that talks about heaven. And if heaven is real, and uh, I'll spare you all the details, but today we're going to look at John chapter 14. And Jesus answered the question, if heaven is for real. And I want you to think about it. You know, it's interesting. Uh, C.S. Lewis made this quote one time. He said, aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth. Excuse me. Aim at heaven. You'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. I heard an expression growing up that went like this, and perhaps you've heard it. And it's not theologically correct, quite frankly, but it's one that maybe you've heard quoted before. Don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Now, I don't know who said that. I I tried to look it up and apparently no one said it. Uh, Apparently we just had grandmothers that were passing it around at one point in life. But Colossians chapter 3 verse 2 says the exact opposite. Colossians 3 2 says, Set your mind on things above and not on things of this earth. Set your mind on things above and not on the things of this earth. Have you actually met someone that was so heavenly minded that they were no earthly good? Someone who was so consumed with Jesus that they didn't accomplish anything on earth? The truth of it is, we're all pretty much guilty of being so earthly minded that we're not heavenly good. If we read through Matthew, we'll see that Uh, Jesus says a lot about laying up for yourselves treasures in heaven, investing in your future, not in this short-term duration that we call life on earth, but in eternity. And Jesus has a lot to say about heaven. Matter of fact, if you ask the question, is heaven for real? It absolutely is. It's mentioned 500 times in the Bible. You know, people have a a lot of questions about heaven don't they? And uh, I'll answer a few of them. Uh, One of the most popular, and I hear from kids all the time, uh, will there be animals in heaven? And and I do what I always do as I defer to Billy Graham, uh, because the Bible doesn't say one way or the other. But Billy Graham said, and he's more godly, and I've been doing this a whole lot longer than I am, God will prepare everything for our perfect happiness in heaven. And if it takes my dog being there, he'll be there. That's from Billy Graham. Do with it what you want to. And, uh, but I thought that was a good quote. Three things that we're going to see in John chapter 14. Uh, arguably, for me, uh, one of the most important passages in all of the New Testament. And three things that we learn in John chapter 14, verse 1 through 6. We learn these three things. First of all, there's a person. Number two, there's a place called heaven. And number three, Jesus Christ, the person, has made a promise. So we see that there's a person, there's a place, and there's a promise. 
Sometimes people are asked questions, will we recognize people in heaven? And according to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23, we will recognize people in heaven. What kind of bodies will we have? Well, Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 says that we'll have transformed bodies. We'll have perfect bodies. We'll be perfect. You no longer will have a body that breaks down. You'll never have, you won't have to worry about blemishes or being overweight. You'll be able to eat what you want and look your best. You'll be perfect, transformed, resurrected body. It's what the scripture tells us. And one day, and we, although we don't have time to get into it, there'll be a new earth created. And you'll be able to live with all the joys and satisfactions and longings that you've ever had in the new heaven and the new earth with a new perfect body, a 21-year-old body. That sounds really good to me right now. I don't know about you. But how do you get to heaven? Well, I want to answer that question in this sermon. You know, in Revelation chapter 13, verse 6, the Bible tells us this and regarding Satan. It says that he opens his mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. So one of the reasons there's so much confusion is one of Satan's three stated purposes is to blaspheme, to slander, to, to, to deny, and to tear down the name and the character of God or even a belief in God if he can. God's people, he wants to destroy and to bring disharmony. And the Bible also says in the same verse, his dwelling place. And we'll see in just a moment that the dwelling place is the word we find here in John chapter 14, verse 2, which means heaven. It's the concept that we call heaven. It's the place that we call heaven. So Satan wants to get you to doubt God. He wants you to doubt others, and he wants you to doubt that there's a heaven. With that understanding, let's look at John chapter 14, beginning with the first verse. John chapter 14, beginning with the first verse. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Now, Jesus is doing what uh, scholars and writers would say he's giving a discourse. And in this instance, he's giving his final discourse, his final message, so that people can hear his message, so that people can understand this is what's about to happen, so that he can prepare his disciples and his followers for the inevitable. And so he's preparing them. And he says, believe in God. If you believe in God is what he's saying, then you believe in me because I am God. In my Father's house are many rooms. Maybe you grew up with the King James Version and you saw a mansion. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you so. And that's, uh, that's, that's okay, an okay translation. It's not what the text says because it kind of pictures that there's a mansion like you've got a 100-acre lot uh, with a big mansion set out over on the side. And that's probably not the picture that heaven gives. The picture heaven gives is that it's the dwelling place. And if you use what was going on then for the ways the the Jews would have understood it, when a couple got married, what they would do typically, unless they were very wealthy, they would add on, they would build on a room slash house 
on to their father's house. They would build that house, and the more money they had, the bigger they would build it. And then one day, they would either build a place of their own, or if their parents died, they would take that house. And sometimes it would have multiple rooms on it. So it might be a lot larger than it started. And as you looked at it, as you saw the rooms, it was kind of indicative of someone who had many children who had been born, okay? And many children whom they had raised. And so that's the picture right here. In my father's house, there are plenty of rooms. You've seen those houses where there are a lot of rooms, and you wonder how those people can afford that, how many children they have. There are multiple rooms. There are multiple houses. There are multiple places that are permanent. That's the word dwelling. The permanent dwelling. That are, it's a permanent place for you that God has established forever. And it's not according to your bank account. It's not according uh, to who you, what you think you know. It's according to Christ. And he has made the promise. If it were not so, I would have told you, and I go to prepare a place for you. And it's not so much that he's going to hang, furn- hang pictures and to put furniture uh, in the room. It's that he's preparing you. He's preparing you for the place. He's going back to make a way so that you might make it to the Father. He will die. He will suffer. And he will rise again. Therefore, preparing a place for you as you transfer your trust to him as your Savior. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. And you know the way to where I am going. But Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, and I think the most crucial word, most crucial phrase in all of John is found right here. Because it says, I, uses a personal pronoun so that there can be no dispute who he's talking about. I am, and then he uses a definite article, the way. Now, I know that that's politically incorrect. Matter of fact, John 14, 6, in North America, United States, is possibly uh, the most politically incorrect statement you could make. Jesus is saying, I am the way. Wow. Now, what does that mean, I'm the way? He didn't say, the ten laws are the way. The four pillars of the way, if you do these instructions, you being a really good boy or a good girl, if you do lots of good deeds, that's the way. He says, I am the way. You know, I have a little girl, and she's afraid of dogs, unfortunately. We finally just got one this last weekend. She's kind of working through these, all these fears. It doesn't matter if your dog could be one pound or 101 pounds. She is not going to like your dog. She's going to be scared. And if we were to come to your house, there's only one way she's walking in that house. Well, matter of fact, she's not walking in your house. She says, Daddy, hold me carry me. Daddy, I need you to hold me. Because she doesn't like dogs. She's afraid of dogs. The only way that she would ever come into your house is if I was holding her. Now, I personally have been bit three times by dogs, okay? So I've kind of built up a resistance. Just really, really makes me, I don't like it, but I'm not scared. I really get mad. And I I said something I shouldn't have said at the flower mound. I'm going to go ahead and tell y'all, just because I like to say things I shouldn't say sometimes. Uh, I, I told him, I said, what I want to do is when you tell me your dog doesn't bite and I walk in and he bites me, I want to shoot your dog. That's what I want to do. I want to shoot your dog. And I know some of you go, oh, he wants to shoot my dog and he's a preacher. Well, let my dog bite you and you tell me how you feel about it. Um, 
but nevertheless, it's always, every time I got bit, oh, he doesn't bite. He doesn't bite you. He bites me. That's the problem. But anyway, so I carry my daughter. I'm the way because I know even dogs that have never bit anybody sometimes bite people. So I'm the way. I'm the only way that she's going to come into your house. And that's the picture that Jesus is giving right there. I am the way. I am the truth. I embodiment truth. The truth that you heard, if it's come from me, it's truth. All truth is from God and the life, the, Zoe, the, the, the everlasting life, the real life that you are so longing for that you can taste on earth, but you will fulfill it, you will totally experience in heaven. I'm that life that you're searching for. Come taste of it. And you'll only be able to get a taste. You won't fully be able to comprehend what awaits for you because no eye has seen and no mind can comprehend what God has in store for those who love him and trust him and know him as their Savior. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. If you have a red-letter edition, it's written in red. It's one that you can't take out because Jesus said it, and we have to deal with it. He's either telling the truth, he's a crazy man, or he's a liar. You have to decide which is he. You know, when I think about it, I always, I've shared this illustration multiple times, but I want to go back to it again. Uh, the famed atheist, Christopher Hitchens, uh, who died about two years ago, part of the new atheist movement, when he was interviewed uh, regarding death, regarding his imminent death because he had terminal cancer. They only gave him a few months to live. And they said, Dr. Hitchens, one of the reporters said, can you tell us some things that you think will be redeemable about your death and your suffering? Can you give us some things that are redeemable? Can you share some truths, something that you feel like you're gleaning and you're learning? And he said, no, I can't. There's absolutely nothing redeemable about my death. There's nothing redeemable about my suffering. I'm never going to see my children married. I'm never going to finish my work. I'm never going to go to a beach again. I'm never going to go to place, all these places I still long to go. There's nothing. I'm going to die. They're going to place me in the grave. My body will rot and worms will eat my flesh, and that'll be the end of it. So no, there is nothing. Nothing redeemable. That's the full sting of death. If that's the hope, if that's all that there is, that's it. As opposed to D.L. Moody, the great evangelist, who when he was dying, sitting by his son, his son said, heard him say, Son, do you see it? It's beautiful. The oceans of earth are rescinding, and I see heaven pouring in. It's beautiful. He shook his father and he said, Dad, are you asleep? Because, son, I'm not asleep. If this is death, if this is heaven, then it is great. It is wonderful. It is magnificent. It is blissful. Don't feel sorry for me, son. And then with that, he died. So what is your hope in him? Is your hope in 
You're a good person. You're going to make the best of this life. You make the most of it. Or is your hope in Jesus Christ and his righteousness? That Jesus Christ gave his life freely. And he gave it because the Bible said there must be a payment for our sin. There must be the shedding of blood. So he sacrificed himself and said, all who would believe in me would have life. All that would believe that I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life could know forgiveness if you would simply admit you're a sinner. You cannot save yourself. And that only Jesus, only what Jesus has done for me can save me. And I receive it. I ask God for your forgiveness and your salvation and to credit me with Jesus' righteousness. That's the truth of the gospel. You see, there's only one way that you actually go to heaven, it's, and crack, frankly, it's this, is that you die. Now, I know that sounds kind of morbid, but it's true. We all have to come to the place to where we die to ourselves. We die to our ego where we say, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be good. I'm better than they are. All religions are the same. doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. I know Jesus made those claims, but it doesn't really matter. And as long as you hang on to that, as long as you're in control, as long as you decide what salvation is, then you've not died to your own self-seeking interests, to your own manner of God, your projection of how God should be and what you want God to be. You have yet to die. We all have to come to that place to where we die and we say, God, I give up and I give it to you. I believe and I give you my life. I want to show you some people who've come to that place and have trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I just want to run through several. And this is Amy Hyde. Amy grew up in church hearing the Bible but had some questions about science. And she actually went to see the movie Um, God's Not Dead that I mentioned a few weeks ago and it answered a lot of questions. She came back and uh, with the help of some others trusted Christ as her Savior here just a couple of weeks ago. Next person here you see the Bronson family. Uh, This family, uh, the the adults Chad and Michelle uh, came to the place where they uh, finally accepted Christ a little while back and uh, they were just kind of dangling out there and they said, you know, we need to get involved in church. And uh, we, need to, we need to be baptized. And so they decided to do that. And meanwhile, their son went to camp, and he trusted Christ. And so they all came, and the, the two younger boys came with them, and they all came to our uh, believers class to kind of go through the process. And while we're there, their two younger sons accepted Christ. And so they were all baptized here uh, about four or five weeks ago. That's the Bronson family. It's just a neat testimony of when the parents decided to be faithful and follow and follow in believers' baptism. You saw their children. Julian Wren, uh, this is Tommy King's nephew, and uh, Tommy invited uh, Julian and his mother to church, and they began to come here. Julian began to ask questions uh, about God and about uh, Christ and how to, how to know him. And so uh, he shared with him and uh, Tommy prayed with him, his mother shared with him, and he, Julian uh, accepted Christ and followed in believer's baptism uh, just a couple of months ago. This is Ben Sarter. Ben uh, came to Grand Opening, and uh, he heard the gospel. He's a coach here in the area, 
and he heard the gospel as Brandon Slay preached it. And he said, you know, I, I had gone to church when I was younger and I'd heard the stuff, but I just never made a commitment of faith. I just never let it be real for me. I'd never really committed my life to Christ. So I decided it's time to do that. It's time. I heard, uh, heard Brandon Slay share the gospel and I thought, that's what I need to do right there. I need to give my life to Christ. So he did it and followed in believer's baptism here last week. Colby Gately, another young man. Uh, one of the friends here in our, our student ministry invited him to come. He started coming and uh, heard the gospel and prayed and received Christ. And now his whole family is coming uh, to church here. Matter of fact, they were all at dinner with the pastor this last one we had through Colby's influence. Uh, the next person that we see here is Mindy and Aaron Gilbertson. And uh, Aaron's family are involved here. And they've been praying for Aaron and Mindy for quite a while. And uh, they came a few weeks ago and heard, heard the gospel, and Mindy went back and, and uh, talked with her mother-in-law, and uh, her mother-in-law shared the gospel with her, and she accepted Christ. She came home and started talking to her husband, Aaron, started telling him, and in a couple weeks later, he said, you know what, uh, I came up here in this stuff, but I've never made a commitment myself. I've never done this for us, so I'm ready to make a commitment. I'm ready to follow through and be baptized. So they did that as a couple just this last Sunday as they trusted Christ, as they died to their old self, their own way, and, and said yes to Jesus. This is Don uh, Turbyville, and uh, Don started attending. He started hearing his children had invited him, and he started hearing the gospel, started seeing what was going on. He said, you know, that's something that I don't have. There's something missing in my life. And so he met with one of our staff and said, I, I, I'm ready, whatever that means. And they led him through the gospel. He prayed and received Christ as his Savior. Uh, this is Caleb Cornelius. Uh, Caleb, through our pay students, uh, as they went into the schools and our youth ministry team went into the schools, they met him and started talking to him. He started going to a Bible study that they had. And uh, he came to the place where he was ready to follow Christ. As a matter of fact, he'll be baptized next hour. Uh, he trusted Christ. And then uh, one of our ministers were talking to his dad. And he goes, yeah. He said, I'm changing my schedule. I, I can't be at church on Sunday mornings because I work right now. But I'm changing my schedule so I can start coming. And he's going to come today uh, to be with Caleb. And uh, he wants to start getting involved in church. So a neat story what our ministry team. Camille Strange, don't you love that face? That's a face of joy right there. That's a face of excitement. As a matter of fact, Camille's here this morning. She was baptized here uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And Camille came to that place after some friends invited her, and she would spend the night with them and then come to church. She began to hear the gospel and to hear the good news and, uh, and shoot through the witness of her friends. And through, matter of fact, she tells the story that uh, Warren, the guy who's baptizing her, one of our student ministers, invited her to come over and eat some cookie cake at school. And so she said, it was kind of awkward. You know, there's all these people eating cake, and then there's me. And uh, I started building relationships, started coming to church, and started hearing the gospel. And she came to that place where she was ready to give her life to Christ, and then she was baptized. Danielle Ferris, another young lady who uh, began to come to church, and uh, her parents said, we don't really want you to go. We don't really believe. Don't think that's a good idea. And she said, well, um, I have some friends of hers invited. There was one of the young ladies in our youth group invited her. There was a family who really ministered to her, began to disciple her. She came to that place to where she trusted Christ as her Savior. And uh, she told her parents about it. She wanted to be baptized. I said, well, we're not, we're not really in support of that. But uh, she said, well, I'm going to do it. What about when I'm 18? I said, that's fine. You can do that. So this is her 18th birthday right here. She, that's what she wanted to do for her 18th birthday, to be baptized in Christ. She died to the old self 
and said yes to Jesus Christ and life anew. Next person we see right here is Ben Andrews, and then his brother uh, is DJ Andrews. And you might notice the guy in the back, that's Kurt Andrews. You've probably heard me tell the story before. Kurt's the guy that gets up here and tells you, you need to help feed the hunger. You need to be a part of that. You need to give money. And Kurt's kind of our principal volunteer, one of our principal volunteers for Feed the Hunger, uh, which we are feeding now a half a million people a year, which is just amazing uh, what God is doing through that ministry. And uh, Kurt's life has been radically changed. And I was talking to Kurt this last week. He said, what you may not know is, you know, I, you know, I had business problems and I was just kind of searching. And some kids had invited my kids to come to church here. And so that's why I came. And uh, I love this story. Kurt said, I prayed before I came and said, God, if you're real, speak to me today. Show me you're real today. Speak to me if this is real. And he came into church and I don't do this real often, but it was one of those Sundays I said, you know what, if you have a prayer need, I want to just ask you to stand. If, if you just, and I don't even remember saying this, but I guess I did. He said, I said, you know what, if you just need to know God is real, stand up. If you have a need, if you have a way that you need to be ministered to, just stand up. And he thought to himself, well, I just pray, God, if you're real, show me. So I guess this is it. So he stood up. He said, and then while I was standing, somebody, a couple of people reached up and they touched me on the shoulder. I was praying. He said, it was like I felt the Spirit of God infuse my body. And that day I knew I needed Jesus. Uh, He accepted Christ as Savior and was baptized. And then his wife uh, accepted Christ. She was baptized. And then DJ and then Ben. Just a neat story, that whole family, how they've come to Christ. Another story for you. Uh, Gene uh, uh, Stewart here. This is Gene the father. And uh, Gene, neat guy, we got to visit this week. And this is his son, Clayton, Gene and Clayton. And uh, Gene was telling me this story. He said, you know, we had a child in Rock Point Preschool, so we would come here every once in a while, like Christmas and Easter. And, um, but then my wife started going to a Bible study, and she started hearing things. She started telling me about it. And then my son started going to youth ministry. And he started connecting with friends. And then he went to a camp, and he, he made a commitment of faith. And he came back and shared it with me, and uh, I started thinking about it, and we started all talking, and I started realizing that they've got something I don't have. And uh, so last Easter, he prayed, and said, he told his son, he said, son, I'm, I'm ready to do this. He ready to do that? And so he prayed and received Christ last Easter, this time, one year ago at this time. And uh, then, this is probably about seven or eight months later, they both followed through with believers' baptism. But the story doesn't end right there. If you go to the next picture, that's Gene, that's his son, that's Carla. Their daughter, Sydney, will be baptized this next hour. All of them, but their youngest son, who's five or, or six, I believe, have all trusted Christ. It all started when people invited them, gave them a message as, they, as Carla began to study the Bible. Neat, neat family, neat story. Gene's very active in our youth ministry. Here's the Ramirez family. Their mom came here a few times. Uh, her husband had passed away, and she began to hear the gospel and hear the story, and she met with one of our ministers and said, you know, I, I want to talk about this. And so she started talking to him, and she came to a place where she was ready to com- make a commitment of faith. And then she said, I want my children to come. So she brought her children, and uh, her daughter accepted Christ, and her son said, you know, I don't understand this. I've never heard this before. Matthew shared the gospel with her, and she goes, he said, I've never heard that. Now, he's living here. Uh, They moved from out of state, but but never heard 
the gospel. We think, oh, you're sharing the gospel again this Easter. Great. Everybody knows that. You got something else for me? Hey, I'm a one-trick pony. This is it right here, brother. This is how Jesus saves. All right, we want to teach the word and we want to equip you. But man, if we forget the gospel, it doesn't matter how much knowledge you insert in your head. If you miss the truth that Jesus is the way. And this whole family will be baptized next week. So, neat to, or excuse me, this first Sunday in November when they're all back. And then the last one, uh, this is Sean. His name is really Mashat, but I, I call him Sean. Sean started coming a couple of years ago. Matter of fact, the teacher at school said, um, Sean, uh, he said, I, I, I want to learn English. Well, I don't speak good English, and I want to make some friends. Uh, he was at a local college class here, and he said, well, Sean, you know what you probably ought to do? You probably ought to go to a church. So he drove by here, saw this, so he came to church. He walked in, and, and uh, a couple people shook his hands. He sat out, and he said, and then I was going to leave, and I don't know that I would have ever been back. And um, he was raised in Iran. And really had no faith. He said, you know, everybody's Muslim, but I didn't really have any faith. I really didn't believe anything. And uh, as I was leaving, somebody caught me and said, glad you're here. And they invited me to go to lunch with them. And so he began to connect with that family. And I began to talk with him. We began to share with him and begin to hear the Bible. And he said, do you have a Bible in my language? I said, well, we don't have one in Farsi right now. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll make sure we get you one. So he began to study the Bible. He began to learn the Bible. Had lots of questions. And we began to visit. And then the worst thing that could happen, happened. He came to me and told me he was moving to California. And I was thinking, California? I'd love to visit there, but I don't know who's going to tell you about Jesus in California. And uh, I'm joking. I love California. Great friends in California. We even have a mission church in California, okay? So he, he moves over to the greater Los Angeles area. And he said, will you, Ron, will you write me a letter? I said, sure. But I said, I said Sean, you can go to church anywhere. They all opened. That, that's fine. I'll check. He said, but would you just write me a letter? So I wrote him a letter. And I wrote a letter that said, and I'd forgotten I'd even written this. Uh, Dear to whom it may concern, Pastor, my name is Ron Holden, Rock Point Church. I have known Sean uh, for the past six months. He has faithfully grown, read scripture, asking lots of questions. I believe he is close to coming to know Christ. Uh, if you would welcome him to your congregation, uh, I would much appreciate it, and I fully vouch for him. So I did that, and little did I know, he, he went to that church. He went a couple times, and then he went up to the pastor and gave him the letter. And, and the pastor said, well, okay. And he went to a small church. It was a small Baptist church. And... Um, and through that process, that pastor began to meet with him each week. He trusted Christ and was baptized and now a follower of Christ. I was talking to him this last Sunday. He said, you know, I don't know that this would not have happened had it not been for the people who welcomed me in that Sunday. Let me just tell I've, I said this before. Guys, you never know who's here, especially today. I already tell you, there are people here who are seeking who may not be back. And Jesus, through his spirit, works. And you know how he primarily works? Through his people. There are people here today who have lost loved ones, who are losing loved ones, who have lost jobs. There are people here who are seeking hope. There are people like Kurt who are saying, God, if you're real, speak to me. And they'll hear this message, but then they also need to hear the message from you that this is true, this is real, and that it's different, that it's changed me, and that I want to help you in your journey. I want to invite you to open your eyes today to the new life, to the needs that are around you, to those who need to know Christ. When we say, turn around and shake hands, the chances are, eventually, you're shaking someone's hand who is here for hope. 
wanting to know, is this real? When we leave and I say, meet someone you don't know, if everyone does that, you are meeting people who don't know Christ. Some of you are meeting people who are making up their mind how they feel about the claims of Christ and if this is true and if it's real. So you're a witness today. We are ambassadors of Christ today. And the question we have to ask, have we died to ourselves? If we haven't died to ourselves, we'll go, I got to get out of here because I got to get to Texas Roadhouse. It's going to be packed. I don't, I got to get out of this crowd. I got to get out of here. Matter of fact, while he's praying, I'm leaving. Come on, honey. Start the car. Get the kids. Let's get out of here. This place is a zoo. I don't want all these people talking to me. That's a picture that you've not died to yourself. Ooh, I shouldn't have said that, should I? I know some of you are mad because you were already getting your coat on. You're the first. You'd already told your wife, I'm going to get out of here as soon as this thing's over. That's okay. Maybe that's where you are. Jim Elliott, love Jim Elliott. Maybe you've not heard of him. But Jim Elliott's the missionary who went to Ecuador and was killed as a young man. And matter of fact, they, he and four other young men graduated from Wheaton College and uh, then get, get, did some Bible school. And they decided after they graduated from Wheaton, we want to go where the gospel has not been preached. So they identified on the map a place in Ecuador, uh, the Aqua Indians. And they're going to go there because it's an unreached people group. It's like it was 3,000 years ago. Matter of fact, this summer I had a chance to go not far from that area. And it's really remote, really a jungle area. But Jim was going out there, no written language. Nobody spoke the language. They were going to just have to get to know them and build relationship. Uh, they were going to teach them how to do agriculture and, and put together an infrastructure and just really try to help them and in the process share the gospel. <clears throat> but when they got off the plane, if you saw the movie at the end of the spear, they all got off, they approached them, uh, the Indians killed them, all five of them, they died right there. And uh, about a month later, Elizabeth Elliot, his wife, who had a young child at the time, just in her 20s, her husband's died, uh, a reporter came and said, Mrs. Elliot, how do you feel about the way your husband died? How do you deal with the fact of just how he died and why that happened? How, how do you deal with it? What, what do you think about that? She looked at that young, she said, young lady, Jim didn't die in the jungle. And the reporter thought, kind of crazy. Everybody knows that he died. She goes, I know what you're thinking, young lady. You're thinking, you know he died. But I'm telling you, that's not when he died. He died eight years earlier. When he was a junior in high school, he got on his knees and he gave his life to Jesus Christ. And he died at that moment and said, Jesus, it's my life. Take it. I'm yours. Whatever you want, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, it's yours. If you died for me, if you lived a perfect life and then went to a cross willingly for me, had nails driven through your hands and feet and died on my behalf, on the third day rose again, then God, what more could I offer than my life? Today I die to myself and I give you my life. You see, Jim died eight years earlier. You just saw his body stop living at that moment. And he's still alive today with Jesus. So here's my question to you. Have you died yet? Have you come to the place where you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you believe that there's a person named Jesus who is, who is God in the flesh, who has the power to save you? Do you believe that there's a place called heaven for all who know Him as Lord and Savior? And do you believe there's a promise that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and that the way that we come to the Father, the way that we come to heaven is through Jesus?
If you don't, today's the day to make that decision. I want to ask everyone to bow their head and close their eyes for just a moment. And if you've never committed your life to Christ, you've never come to that place where you've died to yourself and said, Jesus, here's my life. Take it. I believe that you are the Son of God and have the power to save. Then just pray and say, Jesus, I recognize I'm a sinner. I recognize that I cannot save myself. I'm not going to be good enough. I'm not going to have enough efforts. I'm not going to get there on my own. Lord, you have to do it. So I am putting my trust in what you have done on the cross. I believe that you're not a way, but you're the way. And so right now, I trust in the way Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Come into my life and save me. I put my hope and trust in you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.